My name's Sam Towns. And I'm Alex Norton. Before we get into today's episode, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. Today's episode is coming at you thanks to the handsome Robert Weber Abrasives. So the next time you need abrasives or grinder belts for your workshop at all the best prices, give a visit to webbers.net.au. Do it. What have you been up to this week, Alex? Beat you to it. Uh, You beat me to it. (laughs) Just quick on the draw. (laughs) Uh, working on a couple of raptors and uh, driving people insane by publicly doing an in- interrupt uh, question. Yeah, seriously, how dare you? The, the number of messages that I got. Oh my god! It was the, either the, curiosity the fire or experts. Yeah, yeah. It was either cu- just curiosity was probably about thirty percent of them, but seventy percent of them was people lecturing me on what a fool I am. Um. Yep. But the Hamon actually looked, came out great. Um, I'm polishing mm. it fully tomorrow. I've taken it to just 240 at the moment and it looks good. Um, but there's glimmers that I might have gotten a little bit of Aishi action happening, mm. which is I'm not, I wasn't expecting much because it's not a big canvas and it's hard to get that sort of action yeah. on such a small canvas. But um, you never know, I might, might get something because like, there's nothing worse than just a boring straight line. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. But um, I actually found a um, a piece of blackwood that I got from Ryan uh, at Otway Fiddleback that he gave me when he was um, down here ages ago. And he said, oh, I can't really use this because it's got a really big crack running through it. And the, the block was almost split in two by this mm-hmm. crack. Um, so it was all sort of unfinished and all that sort of thing. Anyway, I managed to get just through oblique cuts. I got um, handle scales for that Hamon Raptor and... It was the single most beautiful piece of blackwood I've ever seen in my life. Just well, filled I'm, I'm, with like bubbles of chatoyants. <laughs> and just, oh. I must say that I am shocked that you're using blackwood in your builds. I mean, I know, it's, right? it's, it's unheard like, of. I don't have a problem at all. I can quit <laughs> anytime I want. Quit five times already. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> Man, I quit um, five also, times yesterday. Yeah. I've also been um, like, I famously don't plan my builds i, much I like to neil's to just, chagrin much much to the the, the disappointment of dag daddy but um i have made some fairly public claims about what i'm my intentions for this upcoming 48 hour dagger challenge <laughs> and what i have planned is easily the single most complicated build i've ever done and I'm going to try and do it in 48 hours. And I have been filling a sketchbook with like ideas of how I'm actually going to make this damn thing work. Mm-hmm. I think I think I've got it, but it's just it's just like freaking sketch upon sketch of <laughs> will this work? Maybe this work diagrams, measurements. So I have to ask: it's it's not giving away much, but are you losing five points? What do you mean by five points? Have you seen the posts by Niels? I'm probably going to lose everything. I, I don't care. <laughs> I want to I show that I can do it. It's one of those things where, like, there's no prize for this. You don't win no. anything. But if I pull this off, it's going to, let, let me tell you, I'm, I'm calling it now. Nobody's going to care. 
if I actually managed to pull this off. Yeah, no, Niels was making a joke about, like, you gain five points for making a Chris dagger and you lose <laughs> five points for making a quote-unquote broken dagger, like a, fo- a folding dagger. Well, I know <laughs> I know, folding <laughs> knives are my shtick. Um, this is, I'll, I'll, I'll leak this. It's not a folding dagger. Okay, you're not losing five points. There you go. It's definitely not a folding dagger. I've had a lot of people say that, oh, you know, you're making this big claim, it's just going to be a folding dagger. No, it's not. It's not going to be a folding dagger. <laughs> That's because you did the folding buoy, and everyone's like, "Yeah, one trick pony." Yeah, yeah. See, the um, if if that was like you know a ten on the redonculus, that what mm-hmm. I have planned is like a, maybe a twenty-eight. All right, I am looking forward to it. I don't even know if I would be able to finish it if I had two weeks. Um, but <laughs> if I do pull it off, it's going to be the biggest dick swing in the history of knife making. Um, so I'm 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 going for it. Why not? You got nothing to lose. Like, Kane, mate. Kane. Yeah. Uh, I've also been working on a couple of new YouTube videos. Um, mm-hmm. One which is almost done now and um, two more which are still in the works, which have a lot of work behind them. Um, one of them is the, those is the solar video, which is just a lot of filming. There's nothing particularly complex about it. And the other mm-hmm. one, I wanted to do another artsy video. I haven't done an artsy video in a while. So mm. I'm doing an artsy video. So be prepared for that. <laughs> I would like to try and get it done before the 48-hour dagger challenge if I can. We'll see. Fair enough. I've got a couple of projects on the go that may in- impede that. Uh, my mm. song of the week is uh, I've been listening to my 90s playlist again, but I've also been listening to um, my hip-hop playlist a lot. Um, so this sort of blends the two of them. And um, it's a, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's by the band Salt and Pepper who did mm-hmm. a few classic hits of the 90s. But the best bop that they did, I think, is Shoop. <laughs> yep. I could listen to Shoop all day long. It, it's it's a desert island song for me. It's one of those ones mm-hmm. I could quite happily hear 20 times a day for the rest of my life <laughs> and still not get tired of it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a goddamn bop. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been a fan of that since I was a little kid and actually had uh, quite a crush on Pepper when I was a when, when I was a young man watching Rage. Fair enough. <laughs> rage. 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 <laughs> all the Aussies uh, in the audience will know what I'm talking about, and all everyone else will be like, "What?" <laughs> that's like cheese yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or Agro's cartoon connection. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Speaking another language. If you've never heard Shoot before for some strange freaking reason, look it up because uh, mm. it'll it's an earworm that'll live with you rent-free for the rest of your life. Or find it now on the Forgecast Tunes playlist yeah, <laughs> on <right>. Spotify. <laughs> so how about you, Sam? What have you been up to this last week? Well, um, I did upload a video for the first time in what feels like forever. Um, yeah, I know. I had to do a double take. I thought YouTube was playing I know. Terrible. I have another. I already have two more in the can in that series. Uh, it's Chalk Talks surrounding the ABS, um, which was suggested to me by one of my patrons. Uh, given that I'd announced that I'm going to try for my Journeyman Smith next year, yep, they were kind of like, now, oh, "Have to do it." Tell us about you know, like, <laughs> tell us about what it's like to be in the ABS and stuff like that. So I decided mm-hmm. first video should be, "Should you join the ABS?" Because that's a question I get like all the time. 
in various forms it's like should i join the abs or like is it worth it to join the abs or like what do you get out of joining the abs so i was like screw it i'm just putting it in a video here's my opinion do with it what you want (laughs) the next uh, couple videos next three videos i've got in that series are all practical like videos about what joining the abs looks like and what you need to do yeah um but yeah so I've already already had some interesting feedback, um, <laughs> which I was expecting. But you know, that's that's life. Um, it's not a video but, about the ABS without getting at least one sassy comment from me. Oh well, this is true. This is true. Um, <laughs> but in other sides of things, I have been working on the uh, the Dragon Hammer. I'm almost mm-hmm. finished the Dragon now. Um, it's almost done. Uh, and now I'm kind of tossing up whether or not I want to do the cave on the side because I had the idea to make like on the side of the hammer like the entrance to a cave and inside do some like Nordic gold and sterling silver inlay. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm kind of tossing up whether I want to do it, whether it's going to be too much because like I've already put like a hundred hours of engraving into this hammer. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to have something to do of an evening though. I well yeah I mean that's basically what I've been doing is I've just been chipping away at it for the last you know few months but um no pun intended I'm not yeah well this is true um I'm just not sure that I'm ever going to be able to put a fucking price on it that anyone would actually pay <laughs> at this point um and I'm also working on engraving another hammer at the same time I decided on a whim to forge out a little viking cross pen and I'm doing some little a little inlay at the same time I'm just imagining you with like a hammer in each hand <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I figured I didn't have enough engraving to do, yeah, like, fun. and I didn't have enough projects on the go at once, though I just mm. decided to start another one, you know? Yeah, sure. I That's had this, I had, it came to me in a dream and I immediately had to do it. So I'm, I'm currently yeah. working on that as well. Um, yeah, those projects haunt you. Yeah. And it's, it's so simple, but it's also really neat. And I, I really liked the idea when I saw it in my head. So unfortunately it required some Nordic gold casting and literally every of my, uh, every ability that I have to cast things at the moment is broken. Oh, uh, do you need me to send you some Nordic gold? I've got a little bit. <laughs> You've got just a bit because I sent you just, just a little bit. No, I'm using, I'm using bronze instead um, for, for, for this project. But uh, I had, I have a whole bunch of bronze and brass and I was like, ah, I may as well use it, I suppose. It won't look quite as nice, but, you know, you can make do with what you got. <laughs> um, yeah, and in the other realms of things, um, worked on a couple of sword blades. I'm hoping to take a, a sparring sword or two to the Adelaide Knife Show in November. Cool. So I decided to get those done, and I also did the pre- Carry on pre- luggage. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to mail them there, actually. I think I'm going to oh, mail right. them to one of my friends in Adelaide and have them bring them to me. All right. um, it's going to be cheaper that way. Yeah. Uh, and less likely to cause issues. Fewer questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, because like, Sendal, Sendal will send a, par- a 25 kilo parcel for $25 mm. anywhere in Australia. So I'm just going to make a shitload of hammers and stuff, put it all in a box, send it through Sendal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Saved me a whole bunch of pain and time. Mm. Um, and just dragging that shit through the airport would be a pain in the ass. Well, I mean, when I went to when I, when I went to Sydney, and I had like 
four hammers in my back. <laughs> that was a that was bad enough. Can you imagine? Um, you know that moment where somebody, um, like, you see your bag on the turnstile coming out, and, yeah. and somebody goes and grabs it because they think it's the, they think it's their bag. They just go, it's like, <laughs> yeah, they clothesline themselves trying to get it off the <laughs> Or you, when you hear it going through all of the machinery behind the wall, you just do. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't bubble wrap my hammers when I mail them to protect the hammer. <laughs> like yeah, I, mail, right. I bubble wrap my hammers to protect everything else in the. In the yeah, that's in right. The, post. the postman. Yeah, that's it. Like every everyone who gets stuff in the post that comes with one of my hammers is just like it's all shredded to pieces, smashed into little bits. <laughs> Oh uh, well, um, yeah. But that's that's basically been it. I'm just yeah trying to slowly chip away at everything, uh, both literally and metaphorically. Because mm. um, yeah, I'm going away to Darwin in like two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Um, going to my friend Adam's wedding. Mm-hmm. Muzzle tough, that'll, Adam. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm not looking forward to being in Darwin because it's Darwin, but you know, at least it's winter though. Well, yeah, but it's winter in Darwin. It's going to be like fucking 30 degrees. <laughs> yeah, but it's better than going in the peak of summer. Well, go this to, is true. Go to Darwin in January. That's, that's bloody... Your flip-flops will melt to the ground. I'd pass away, yeah. It doesn't get as hot up there as it does down here, but the humidity is something ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, he sent me a photo of, like last summer where it was like 35 degrees, feels like 44 Poor old Speargrass, he lights his forge to cool off. <laughs> that's it. Makes it a dry heat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, my song of the week is a, is a song that I've been waiting for for a long time. It's a song that I came across on TikTok ages ago. Uh, the dreaded TikTok. It's where I find half my music these days. Um, but actually, it's funny enough, it was a comedy, it was a comedy singer um, who used to sing little short, funny comedy songs. Uh, by the name of Ian McConnell. And he kind of started moving into more serious songs, but on the side of like existentialism and stuff like that, he's very uh, philosophical. Right. And he wrote this cool, short little ditty called Important. And um, I thought it was always going to be just like one verse. And that was all I was ever going to get. And it really upset me because it kind of outlines a lot of what I believe uh in the philosophical world uh, and as far as existentialism goes. Um, and so when I saw that he'd released an official album release of important, I was like, yes, I need this in my life. And mm-hmm. it is just as good as I thought. Um, the original recording on TikTok was just a piano and I thought it was going to be a lot more low key, but he's actually recorded it in sort of like a bowling for soup pop, you know, like, early 2000s sound and it actually sounds amazing right um so yeah well well worth looking into especially if you're a a existential nihilist like me um (laughs) positive nihilism um sorry that's just a real that's a massive like um uh, oxymoron it's like (laughs) something to look forward to if you're a nihilist (laughs) <laughs> Cosmologically speaking, <laughs> yeah. Anywho, anywho, we have a zero listener emails for once. 
Yeah, that's we because we had it. like we, a million we used them of all them. Up. Yeah, but that's that's what I said last time. Remember, it was like we have one where we have a million of them, and then because we have so many, no one wants to send one in. <laughs> yeah. Next episode is going to be eight hundred emails. You watch again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I suppose we can roll right into our inspirations of the week. Who's been inspiring you, Sam? Well, um, so this one was one that I kind of came across uh, accidentally. A friend of mine sent it to me, actually. Uh, they just sent me a funny, a cute photo of this of this wood carving, right? This wood carving artist. But the wood carvings they do are the cutest things I have ever seen, and I want them all. <laughs> they are... So they're whimsical as hell, because they're anthropomorphized uh, animals. But they are in true wood, so they're like they're in natural wood tones rather than stained wood or painted or anything like that, and they are absolutely fecking adorable. Yeah. <laughs> like I I looked at them and immediately was like, I want, I need this in my life. I want them so bad because they are freaking amazing. Um, now the artist, uh, I don't know the name of the artist, but they go by unyielding underscore wood on Instagram. Um, and their tagline is animals are our best partner and human beings are not lonely, which is why, oh, which wow. is what I hope my works will make people re- gradually realize. Yeah. Wow. It's so, they're just so cute and they're so well done. That's amazing. I know, isn't it? And oh, like, God, all... I love the pig on the skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. I like the 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 anteater with the with the freaking uh, the t- tapia with um the, the drinking drink. straw yeah. yeah it's like a bubble tea <laughs> yeah and like the bat with the pumpkin on its head and yeah. just oh god I love them all they're so fucking cute um yes I I had one of those moments of like you know the the cuteness heart squinch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you look mm-hmm. at something and it just makes you really you know really happy how people feel when they first see a corgi puppy for the first time yeah yeah one of my feeling. one of my one of my absolute favorites is the um the platypus with the with the harley yeah and it actually has its own little helmet <laughs> it is f- freaking adorable whimsy oh so whimsical but yeah, anyway, so like and like not only is it is it cute and adorable and this kind of stuff, but the artistry and the actual like the construction are is incredible. It's yeah. seamless, the finishes are amazingly neat and tidy, like there's no uh out of place gaps or anything like that. It's so well done. Yeah. When you oh, when God. you actually look at them in video form, you, you kind of start to wonder how in the f- <laughs> You know, how did they get so neat? The alpaca with the headphones. That's amazing. Yeah. Jeez. But yeah, I just, I, the, I, it was an immediate follow for me. Yeah. And me. <laughs> I just, you know, like they sent me, I think it was, they fo- sent me the photo of the, um, of the alpaca. Um, the, the, the anger, the angry alpaca, the alpaca with a mood. <laughs> And then, because they were like, oh, this is a mood. And I was like, oh, yeah, funny. Haha. And then I looked and I was like, oh, God, I need all of these. Yeah, jeez. You wouldn't be able to pick just one. 
No, no, you'd, I'd have to have them all. I'd need to like, you know how people have like the um the Funko Pop shelf. Yeah, yeah. I need I need a Funko Pop shelf full of these. Just all of them. Yeah, just every one of them, all of the characters. Yeah, so it's unyielding underscore wood on Instagram. Yeah, and they have an Etsy shop. They do. I don't, I am scared to click it because I don't have. Oh any yes, money. be very afraid. But. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, though, reasonable for what yeah, it is. I mean, I mean I'm reasonable. not surprised. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't actually looked. I'm going to look now. For the quality see. of the work, it's justified. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easy, easy justified. I mean, yeah, anyone looking at that would be terrified. But, the, yeah, for what they make, oof. Yeah, and such unique pieces. That's incredible. Anyway, who's been inspiring you, Alex? Also a person who does whimsical woodworking. It seems to be the theme for the day. We did not coordinate this. This is just how it ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where they're from, and I'm not sure what their name is. I'm starting <laughs> to sound like Liam Neeson in Tekken. Um, but they're, I believe, Eastern European based on the acrylic name, uh, which they go by uh, Semyon. I, I, my my pronunciation of acrylic is pretty terrible, but I, I believe it's pronounced Semyon. But their Instagram handle is uh, Kudryavsky, K-U-D-R-I-A-V-S-K-I-Y. And they make um, miniature siege engines out of things like paddle pop sticks or or popsicle sticks and chopsticks and things that are um, relatively historically accurate (laughs) and and mechanically accurate. Trebuchets, catapults, ballista, uh, even cannons and things. And it's, they're all functional, but tiny, really tiny. And the work that they do is incredible. The desk artillery. It's amazing. It's just brilliant. I could I could see me making all kinds of hell at a at an office with this. Oh yeah. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Easily. And it's just you can see the, the from the, the comments on every post. Um it's just every post he makes is a smash hit. He's even done like a miniature longbow with a quiver. Mm-hmm and arrows that you can use. Um, but the detail of the mechanism of some of them, like not all of them are historical re- reproductions. Some of them are fantastical versions of historical things. Um, but he's only been doing the actual, like, itsy-bitsy siege engines for, well, about... As uh, seventy weeks, it's there's the earlier post, earliest post I can find of him doing that sort of thing, mm. um, and that's that's not long. It's just over a year, year and a half, and yep. the ev- evolution in that time is incredible in such tri- a short space of time. The trebuchets are something else. They really are. I, I love the ballista, to be honest. Mm. Um, the, the quadratic ballista, yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll use um, small metal leaf springs for the for the um, what do you call them? The quills, not quills. The arms, the, the bow, 
prongs, bows, prongs, prongs that's yeah. Not, yeah. Um, but the rest of it is made out of like popsicle sticks, and it's yep. and he often in his stories will actually show his process of making parts of them, um, just sort of piecemeal. He won't show an entire build, but he'll show um, how he does certain little aspects of it, and you realize when you watch the stories just how much patience this person must have (laughs) to be able to do this and and love of their craft and i mean as soon as you drop something to a miniature scale the the precision required skyrockets um Mm. especially when it's a mechanical thing that has to work together to to actually perform well um there's not much room for slop and yeah it's just it's incredible to see, and it's it's it's, it's you know you, you you may follow like oh geez how many people do I follow on Instagram a lot, and you sort of gloss over a lot of the people's content that comes out, mm. but you find that there are certain people when they post you look forward to it like you spot them in the in the feed and you're like oh yes they've posted again, <laughs> and and Semyon's posts. Uh, one of those for me. I see a little tiny siege engine, and I I must watch the video. I must see it operate. It's it's just such perfect whimsy, firing a tiny ball bearing that's only like six millimeters in d- diameter, um, at enough not an, even enough force to be able to like punch through a bit of paper. But the me- <laughs> the mechanism is just flawless. Even yeah. little battering rams. I mean, it's it's a pointless machine to make a battering ram that's only four inches long. But it's yes. great. <laughs> it's it, ev- it evokes It evokes my childhood of, like, you know, army men and, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I the mean, backyard and stuff. When I was a kid, I would have loved this stuff. And I sort of regret not having spent my childhood doing this sort of thing. Because, mm. um, like, I would gladly give up everything I do right now and just start doing this if I think I could get away with it. It's just... <laughs> It's just so cool on so many levels. So I, I highly I think, recommend people look him up. There is so much that speaks to to us, like you know, to, to certain kinds of people with like mini mini siege weaponry. It just immediately evokes something in certain people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's the maker aspect, there's the historic a- a- aspect, there's the nerd aspect. It's it's mm-hmm. just it's yeah, it it fires on a lot of cylinders and. I'm really looking forward to where it goes for him. Mm. He's working on probably the largest trebuchet he's I've seen him make at the moment. Um, he's only he's only still working on the bucket, and mm. um, it's the bucket itself is about the size of his other engines um, in mm. their entirety. So uh, this should be fun. But it's all still made out of. I mean, some trebuchet from history were monstrous. Mm. Um, so this is still to the normal scale that he works, but it's it's just fantastic watching him work. So once again, if you're looking him up, um, he is on TikTok as well under the same name, but it's K-U-D-R-I-A-V-S-K-I-Y, Kudryavsky. Um, so yeah, definitely look him up. Very cool. Yes. So with our lack of emails and inspirations out of the way, that brings us into Technique of the Week. And Technique of the Week is gently massaging your earlobes thanks to the good-looking so-and-sos at Nordic Edge. 
Everything you need to make your knife-making dreams a reality can be found in their easy-to-use website, nauticedge.com.au. So give them a visit after the show. And Technique of the Week this week is one that's fresh in my mind because I've been watching Season 9 of Fortune Fire, and it is Fluxing. Mm. <laughs> Which, if you uh, were to watch Fortune Fire all the time, you would think that the process of fluxing involves dowsing your billet <laughs> in 18 pounds of borax and calling it good. Are you, are you meaning to tell me that I'm not supposed to dump the entire bottle of borax on my, uh, on my billet every time? I have seen three separate smiths now when they are building their initial stack, putting down mm-hmm. a bit of steel, shaking a thick layer of <laughs> borax, then putting another piece of steel oh, like God. it's a freaking Vegemite Cruscuit. <laughs> And doing this for like 11 layers <laughs> and then putting it in the forge. So mm, You're just unfor- asking for cold shots then. Jeez. I'll, and funnily enough, those billets fail every time. Yeah. I don't know. Funny that. I, I don't know how this could have happened. Let me tell it's you guys like and girls. isn't glue. <laughs> in order to prevent myself developing a stomach ulcer, I'm going to have to do a video about the things that I've seen on Forged and Fire. Because... Mm. And I don't mean the things that are just mess ups because the people are rushing. That I understand. I totally get mm. that. Doing what they do in three hours is redonkulous. But when some people confidently stare at the camera and say, I'm going to do this because it'll work and it won't, um, mm. there are people at home that are new to bladesmithing that are looking at that and going, well, he's doing that. I'm going to do that in my shop. And it's wrong. It's, <laughs> it should not be used as an educational platform. So, and like the worst part is, is that sometimes it will work. Like if if you get yeah. dumb luck, like if you get stupid lucky, yeah, then it'll work. Yeah, if you water quench fifty two <laughs> one hundred, one in a hundred blades is gonna be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I that mean, guy yeah. that gets through. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. So Oof. um, yeah, we want to talk about fluxing and mm. and. Now, good mate Roy Adams is probably going to be happy to hear this, but we're fans of very little flux. <laughs> or no flux at all. I or mean, no flux at all. Although one of our, one of our favorite on bladesmiths that. that have come into the into the blade into our show a couple of times, Kyle Royer, who doesn't use flux in his forge welding at all. Yeah. If you're not gonna do a sealed, sealed billet. Yeah. If you're not gonna do a sealed billet and do a flux fluxless weld, that is absolutely valid strategy and jason knight is a big fan of doing that you know you get your Mm -hmm. if you know your forge really well Mm -hmm. um you can do that but it's one of those things where it's like if you want to just avoid the the, you know the cool factor and just mitigate your (laughs) risks just use a bit of flux i i know my forge pretty damn well i ain't that (laughs) i ain't that brave (laughs) but 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 if you don't want to use flux sealed billets are a great idea Mm wonderful idea especially you can do little tricks like slipping a little bit of uh, paper in the side before you seal it up you know burn up any uh, oxygen that might be left in there stuff like that the little tricks but when it comes to actually fluxing there's two things that i really wanted to point out one is you don't need that much Mm. you'll notice when you apply flux at the right temperature it will liquefy pretty much straight away you just want to get it to actually liquefy over the areas where you want the flux to suck in. And it is capillary, so it will suck down in the gaps. Mm-hmm. The second one is 
the fluxing temperature, the correct temperature to apply your flux. Unless you're going in putting uh, pre-fluxing, which is the, you know, you soak your billet in kerosene and then pull it out. And while it's still wet, you can apply flux and cause the billet's wet, the flux will stick to it. That kind of, that's a valid thing that works. But if you are pulling your billet out of the fire to apply flux, you want to do that at a red heat. You don't want it to be screaming hot forge welding temperatures when you apply your flux. And there's an experiment that if you are wondering what I'm talking about, I want you to do. Take a bar of carbon steel, put it in your fire, and wait till it gets to a red heat, pull it out, and you watch. Scale won't form on it when the air air hits the the bar of steel. But if you put it in... We're not even talking like critical temperature. We're talking dull like red, dull, dull red, dull red. But if you put it back in there and then bring it up to like a bright orange and then pull it out within a few seconds, scale will just encrust the surface because of the oxygen hitting it. That scale is what you're trying to avoid by adding mm-hmm. flux. So if you are pulling your billet out at a bright orange heat and then fluxing it, yes, the flux will, you know, help dissolve the the scale that forms and whatnot, but you're adding to its problems. You are making it have to work harder than it already is. So basically, if you're trying to use flux to set the weld on a a billet of Damascus, start heating the billet of Damascus nice and slowly, bring it out when it's at a red heat, which means you can have it outside the forge and it won't scale up in the atmosphere. Apply the flux. If you sprinkle on flux and it doesn't immediately melt, put it back in. It's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then keep testing it. And then sprinkle a light coating of flux down the sides and then stick it back in and then bring it all the way up to the temperature for your forge welding pass. It's as simple as that. It's a very very straightforward process. Not only is this um, going to reduce the chance of things going wrong because excess flux can absolutely cause problems. You get those bubbles in the surface where you get Mm. trapped little pockets of the liquid flux and things. It causes all sorts of nonsense. But it also, if you are using the really nice fluxes that do cost a bit of money, things like Iron Man or, or uh, Iron Mountain or um, or what's that? Shoreweld. Shoreweld's brilliant. I yeah. love Shoreweld, but it ain't cheap, especially if you're in Australia. <laughs> but yeah. if you are fluxing correctly, one of those bottles will last you a heck of a long time. Mm. I mean, you could be Damascusing every weekend, and that bottle will last you all year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, overfluxing has many, many disadvantages. I, I, I have a habit of overfluxing when I'm panicking. Um, and normally I'm panicking because I have a very large billet that isn't going the way I want it to. You put a lot of work into, (laughs) and I'm just like, pour all of the flux on it. And unfortunately, that that flux has to go somewhere, and normally it ends up in the bottom of your forge. Now, if you have a a flawed forge, like a nine kilo bottle forge you now have a sludge pit for a floor and it yeah. will stick to freaking everything. And I've done that now in my nine kilo forge, which I promised myself I would never forge weld in. <laughs> and so every hammer I make, I have to brush the damn things off before I forge on them because they get this, the, the forge floor stuck to it. Yeah. Um, and in my, in my uh, post box forge, there is literally an inch thick layer of flux in the bottom yeah. now that has swallowed bottle openers and stuff <laughs> because it's just this liquid tar pit the bottom, at the of, bottom the bay. of the forge. so like and and that flux eats into your lining like it eats um iso wool just yeah 
like it's not even like that. dropping like dropping fairy floss into or cotton candy into water, into water. <laughs> yeah. yeah and having sad raccoons wonder what's coming yeah. what's happening to it <laughs> it's still the saddest thing ever <laughs> um but yeah no like it, flux is terrible for your forge linings and stuff and that's one of the reasons kyle doesn't like it is because it, it forces him to reline his forge more often <laughs> yeah but so, um right. yeah yeah well worth fluxing minimally Mm. but um it, it's i know this is self-promotion but i highly recommend looking up and uh, watching my recent video on what happens when you forge weld because it mm, helps understand because a lot of people think of flux as like magic glue that will just stick two things together and it the way people use it particularly on forge and fire shows a lack of understanding of what the flux is doing what action that flux is performing Mm. Um, in a forge world so learn what that's doing and you will as, as soon as you know what it's doing and what the process is that's happening you will realize how little of it you actually need yeah so. now the other thing is if you're running a very oxygen rich environment in your forge you will need more flux because you're mm. boiling the flux off yeah. and if you boil the flux off and it boils dry then you're basically just coating your your, your uh, billet in glass yeah. um which is not helpful. Um, so yeah, it, it does behoove you to run a neutral forge, even if you are fluxing. Or chuck some uh, chuck some lumps of charcoal in there as well. Yeah, particularly, yeah. particularly easy on a post fox forge. Yeah, we learned that in the last episode. We did. <laughs> which you haven't. If you which if you haven't watched, you should go and listen to because I keep I'm really saying watch instead of listen to. You watch with your ears. Yeah, exactly. Your ear lollipops. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, building my new postbox forge because I don't know. I can't remember if I told you I'm putting um, overcenter latches on it so that yeah. you can actually remove the bottom and reline it and then stick it back mm. on and latch it down. Yeah, um, that should uh, should make my life a lot easier because oh yeah, relining a sealed postbox forge. I I have big hands mm-hmm. and small forge doors. <laughs> See, my 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 postbox doesn't actually have a, a floor. It's tack welded in four spots to the plate that it's sitting on so mm-hmm. all i have to do is take an angle grinder to those four spots and i just pull the whole thing off and the lid like the top is actually a lid mm-hmm. so i can just take the lid off um so yeah when i smash mine apart it's going to be a little easier than the last one i made <laughs> but yeah I, I have to get around to that in the next couple of weeks so i'll probably do a video on on breaking it down and and yeah show it. what it looks like this oh, man. is your for this is your forge on light flux. This is your forge on heavy. <laughs> I I am going to be ashamed to show that. <laughs> That's like showing your mank tank. Yep. Seriously. Yeah. Now our topic of the week was actually requested by you guys, and hmm. we all know because a certain somebody is really overexcited for it. I'm not going to name names. Um, no. But Coming up at the end of August is the 48-hour dagger challenge. And uh, with Sam and I's heavy promotion of it, a lot of you guys have decided to join in over the, the, <laughs> the last competition and you want to join in I don't know why you're again. throwing me in on that, like, because you're the one who made the fucking video. <laughs> I've just gone like, yeah, 48-hour dagger challenge, fun. You're like... Yeah. 48-hour dagger challenge. Yes. My life is over. (laughs) I fucking live for it. It's great. It's the best thing ever. And um, 
Yeah, but we did actually get um, a listener email in and say they really enjoyed last year. They want to join in again. Do we have any tips for the 48-hour Dagger Challenge, participating in it? Um, So, yes, we do. And we thought we'd make an episode about it because it is a very unique challenge. Tip number one, do it. (laughs) Do it. Like if you're if you're on the fence, if you've never made a dagger before, if you've like never made a knife before, do it anyway. Because this is the thing to remember before you've made up your mind to join in while you're doing it. What have you? Is you've got nothing to lose. There's no act. It's, it's called a forty-eight hour dagger challenge, not a forty-eight hour dagger competition. There's no prizes. Mm-hmm. Nobody's awarded the best dagger at the end of it. It's, it's literally just done to see if you could do it. Yeah. And everyone's and, judged on their own skill level. Like when yeah. when you post to the group, people will judge the knife based on the maker, not judge the knife in comparison with all the other make makers. Yeah. The first time I entered, I had only been making knives at that point for about four or five months. And I never mm-hmm. made a dagger before in my life. Um and looking back, the dagger I made was terrible. But <laughs> I had I had fun. It was great. <laughs> I still have my first two daggers from the two dagger, the two forty-eight dagger, dagger challenges, and the oh, first yeah. one is horrifying. <laughs> the second one better than mine. <laughs> the second one's okay, but the first one was fucking horrifying. Yeah, but I mean, what it comes down to is you want to make a plan. You want to have some sort of plan going into it. You don't want to, um, as Niels likes to say, make a Pokemon knife. You know, you don't want it to evolve as you're working. <laughs> Um, because you've got such limited time. 48 hours sounds like a lot, but when you take into account sleeping and eating, you're really not going to have 48 hours to work on. Um, mm. it, it's, you're making, basically you want they, they want you to make an ornate quill and dagger, which in a normal build, if you were just taking on that project as you know your normal work, that's a, that's a big commitment to do an ornate quill and dagger. But to do it in 48 hours is ludicrous, bordering on impossible. Um, so you really want to go into it with a plan. At least have a sketch of like basic proportions and shapes and, and things like that. Design it out if, you, if you've if you got that sort of artistic bent. Uh, but also design the process. Like, all right, first I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do that. Uh, and have each step that you're going to do lined out because – when you're in the thick of it, you're not going to be able to think straight. So to be able to just have a list where you can just cross things off as you do them, mm-hmm. it's just that, that you know, gross motor skill sort of, I'm just getting through it, just get through the list. It will help. Mm-hmm. So if you're a beginner uh, at knife making, try something really simple like I did on my first go and do something like a Fairbairn Sykes or a Rondel Dagger, something that's just really straightforward. Um there are a lot of simple dagger designs out there that, you know, Sam would probably be able to give you a list of half a dozen historical daggers <laughs> that are fairly straightforward. Um, yeah, if anything, I would actually suggest an OSS dagger or um, or an mm. O5 council dagger rather than the Fairband because... Uh, Fairbands OSS are actually surprisingly complex. <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest problem with those is that they have a diamond cross section um, yeah. into the guard, whereas yeah. like OSS daggers and stuff like that have that flat ricasso, which means that your guard fit up is going to be ten million times easier. Mm. Um, 
So for those of you who don't know what I'm doing for the ten for the forty eight hour dagger challenge this year is I'm doing it all hand tools. Um, <laughs> Love it. Because that's what I said last year. I, was, I said, like, last year I put in 110% and I did it all with, like, my machinery. I did the mm. best dagger I could with all of the machinery at my disposal, including my sandblasting kit and all that kind of stuff. This year I was like, nope, I'm going to use nothing but hand tools. <laughs> you use, does that include uh, a coal forge with a hand crank blower? I'm uh, not sure I'm going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll still use gas watch. <laughs> Just to save me the headache of not burning my freaking steel halfway through. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't used the solid fuel forge in like uh, five years. You've been out of practice. A little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like... For for us more practiced makers, we can make the challenge whatever we want it to be. Like, yeah, push and take it as an opportunity to push yourself. Well, that's what we're doing. Like, you know, Alex and I both have in the past couple of years that we've done it, just said we're going to push ourselves to make the best thing we can possibly make in 40, 48 hours. Mm. Uh, in my case, I'm like, I'm going to put the ultimate limitation on myself and see what I can do. <laughs> um, yeah. But... But, like, if I was getting just into this and I'd never made a dagger before, or hell, if I'd never made a knife before, then I might just say, I'm going to make a dagger. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it's the best dagger ever. I just want to make a knife. Like, and if at the end of the day I have a knife that stays together, then I'm happy. Yeah. Call it a win. (laughs) That's it. So, like, it's, it's all down to your own personal kind of level and the the main advantage to joining the 48 hour dagger challenge is that it gets your work in front of people it gets your name in front of people you meet other makers really good marketing opportunity if you are trying to get your knife making business off the ground if you've been a part of the 48 hour dagger challenge you become a member of a very tight-knit community of makers especially if you finish (laughs) who all have shared the horror that is the 48 hour dagger challenge yep um, the masochistic so, pleasure of it all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like one of the ways that we really got to know Niels and, you know, like yeah. Stuart and all those guys. And Michelle. Is, yeah, it's through the 48-hour dagger challenge. So even if you don't have any confidence whatsoever in yourself, do it anyway. Because, again, yeah. you don't have anything to lose. That's it. I mean... Uh, you were about to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, um, what Alex said about, like, planning your method is incredibly important. Um, and be realistic with your timing. Like, if you want an example of how not to do it, look at Alex Steele's Can I Forge a Sword in a Day video, mm-hmm. where it's like it's like an 18-minute video where he tried to make a sword in a day, and he made every mistake possible mm. because he, like, gave himself 15 minutes to forge out a blade. And he's good, but he's not that good. I don't think anybody's that good. <laughs> like, I think he got to lunchtime and he was like only a quarter of the way through the list of things that he needed to yeah. do. And he was like, uh, I made a mistake. Um, <laughs> and like, I ran into that in the in the first um, dagger competition. I, I ran out of time. The second one, I ended up with extra time, even though I had to remake my guard and my handle scales. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, like you, you just got to plan your time out better. Yeah, yeah, and um, preparation is a big part of it as well. And one thing that you really want to do is do an inventory on your consumables beforehand, uh, mm. so that you can stock up. You know, drill bits, grinder belts, sandpaper, forge fuel, 
steel, stuff like that. Uh, know that you've got it to hand so that you don't have to think, oh, shit, I'm going to have to make do without. And that makes you have to change the plan and improvise instead of just sticking to the plan. And that's, and that's why drawing your design is really important because if you draw your design and decide what materials you're using beforehand, then you can have all of that stuff ready. Um, yeah. If And make sure you have excess because, like I said, I had to remake my guard and my handle scales and I'm really glad that I had the stock to do it. And let me tell you, between Weber Abrasives and Nordic Edge, you can get all of the things you need. You certainly can. Um, mm. But yeah, like even if you're planning on only using scrap from your backyard or whatever, make sure that the scrap you have is enough to make the thing you want to make. Yeah, put it aside and keep it dry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I mean, when you do have everything, um, prep it all beforehand. It's just like if you're cooking a complex meal, doing all the prep work beforehand of, you know, having everything separate out to hand, ready to go um, and available, do that the night before. So it's all just out and ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Or even, you know, it starts at lunchtime. Get up early in the morning and do it before you start. And that way, you know where everything is. It's all ready to go and ready to fire off immediately because otherwise yeah. you're going to be looking around for things. Clean your workshop. Yeah, pre and organize like, it. The, the first dagger challenge I did, I didn't have a clean workshop and it was a nightmare. So the second time, I spent the day before the challenge just cleaning my workshop. And the morning of the dagger challenge, before the twelve a.m. start, the twelve p.m. start, I like tidied everything, made sure everything was laid out exactly right, made mm-hmm. my life a million times easier, and it gives you an yeah. excuse to clean your freaking workshop out. Yeah, which is you know it's good to do that once a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing that you really need to do, which I'm sure Sam can attest to, is to if you're going to be using like brass or copper or bronze or something cast the ingots that you need if you're going to need them beforehand and have backups Mm. sam was able to turn it around last time and and just completely do a 180 when things went tits up and start over because he had the stuff to go back you know to fall back on Mm -hmm. if you didn't have that you would have been scrambling for an alternative but you were prepared so you've got to like if you've got the ability to cast a couple of small ingots like spares chuck them aside you cast them up the few days before and chuck them aside yeah absolutely and be prepared to roll with the punches and i I suppose the one of the biggest tips that i can give you is don't give up yeah because you have nothing to lose because you're not gaining anything by winning like you're not going to win right like there is no winning finish (laughs) right like just just finish and and that's the one thing that pushed me through last year was the fact that i I got to the night when I broke the handle scales and I was kind of like, screw it, I've got to do this. And then the morning of the last like 12 hours that I, or the last six hours that I had, because I think I got up at 6 a.m. and I broke the guard Mm. and I basically gave up. I was like, nope, that's it. It's over. I can't do this anymore. And then Niels just pointed out, you're not going to win anything if you don't fit. Like you're not going to lose anything if you don't finish, but you may as well just finish. Yeah, and I still managed to get it done with like two hours to spare. <laughs> you did, so yeah, so, you hustled. Like, just, just finish and push yourself. Just you know, because at the end of the day, even if the dagger that you make doesn't come out the way you wanted it to or anything like that, just get across the finish line. Yeah, because yeah. even though I hated it at the time, I'm pretty proud of what I came up through with at the end, and that took a while to get used thing. to. <laughs> yeah, 
I but, still yeah. remember the the Fandango over the Fishmouth world. Oh God, <laughs> that whole build was a nightmare. <laughs> that that is probably the most slender, successful Fishmouth world I've ever seen performed, and you did mm-hmm. it in the heat of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I and you yeah. fluxed appropriately. Yes, yes. Iron Mountain <laughs> saved me on that one. Yeah, but yeah, no. Just at the end of the day just finish just get over that finish line even like no matter what you have to do do it anyway yeah because you will be happier and prouder of yourself and it'll teach you something (laughs) it'll teach you what you're capable of i had a comically smooth process last year um and so i'm expecting this year to just be nothing but foibles just yeah my my experience last year was so horrible that this year I'm just kind of like, I'm the, the design I'm going for is incredibly simple because I'm using hand tools. I have to be very simple, but at the same time I'm doing very simple because I want as little possible things to go wrong. As I <laughs> yeah, can. It's sensible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't do another one like I did last year, <laughs> but like, I look at the the dagger that I made and I look at the dagger that, that Alex made and I look at the daggers that people like Michelle and, and um, Neil's oh, Michelle's made. was great. All in 48 hours. And like yeah. all of us would say that there is no way in hell we would do that in 48 hours in any other, like in any other example, except no. Neil's. Neil's will go yeah. like, hell yeah, I make that in 48 hours all the time. Yeah. Um, this is the man who did his entire master master smith set in six weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> this, and this is the difference between someone like Niels and someone like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> we're all like, this is this is a forty eight hour dagger that would normally take me like two weeks or to like six weeks to make. Mm-hmm. Niels is like, yeah, no, this is about right. <laughs> yeah, and it will teach you that you are capable of it. Now, I would never be able to keep up that level of production for that long. Oh, like God, no. the the amount of effort that I put in for those two days, like the last the last one, I would die <laughs> after yeah. a week. It's one of the but, reasons I love the competition so much because it makes me feel like a capable human for just hmm. you know two days. But but it amazes <laughs> me every time. It amazes me watching everyone work how much they are capable of doing in that little a time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, Niels points out that even if you sleep like eight hours both nights, you've still got like 30, thirty-two hours, thirty-two hours, thirty-eight for thirty-four hours, which is almost a working week. <laughs> yeah, in it two really days. Is. Yeah, and you, it's hard to argue with them. <laughs> it is. It is hard. <laughs> but who needs sleep, right? Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't sleep, but you know, that's. That's Niels. I'm dreading how exhausted I'm going to be at the end of this one. Uh, I don't even I, want to I, think about it. I it's it's I am so tired in the future that it has traveled back in time and it's making me tired in the lead up. I'm doing this with hand tools, man. <laughs> what am I just doing? Wait till, we just wait till I announce my plan. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. Um Speaking of which, you do need to actually tell everybody what you're doing at all times um, through it. Every couple of hours, you need to post updates. And I would actually recommend that you have to hand some kind of uh, phone holding rig for Mm -hmm. filming and photography, just like a little flexi arm with a phone holder on one end and a clamp on the other that you can just move around your workshop and and clamp on things. Even a cramped camera tripod. 
flow. Yeah, some something like that where you can just leave it to one side because it won't just be you posting stuff. Niels is going to drop in and, and live chat with you and um, he holds group live chats during it where um, you're kind of expected to, to jump on board and talk. I got into a bit of trouble last year because I was working so hard that I didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, Niels eventually just made me. <laughs> um, so having some method of holding your phones, just it's one less thing you have to think about in a very heavily social media driven um, event. Um, and also tell, tell people beforehand what you're doing uh, in terms of the 48 hour challenge so that you don't get bothered during it. You don't yeah. want, you don't want Nan dropping by bringing your cookies uh, in the middle of it and wanting to have a chit chat because every minute is going to count, especially your first time going into it when you are not used to the horrors that are involved. <laughs> um, you know, and be like, get the fuck out of here. I'm busy. You want people to know that you're doing it and say, just don't bother me between lunchtime today and lunchtime two days from now. Yeah, that's it. I was, you know, you just go. For this next 48 hours, I am completely unavailable. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody that is has a chance of interrupting you, like neighbors or friends or family, just let them know beforehand, look, I'm just, I'm off limits. I'm not going to answer my phone. You know, call me if someone's dying and that's it. <laughs> that, that being said, I would give you the advice. If you're tired, sleep. Yes. And also snack and hydrate regularly during it. Yeah, the the first forty eight hour dagger challenge, I pushed through until like two a.m. and then woke oh. up at six to keep going, and I made more mistakes that way than if I'd oh. just gone to sleep. And don't forget, fir- you're working with dangerous power tools. Yeah, the first day of the second one where I made the twist, uh, the double twist core fucking fish mouth weld dagger, stupid fucking thing. Um, I only got like six hours work the first day because I got to like six p.m. and I was wiped. I was completely yeah. dead. And so I went to bed <laughs> <laughs> and I got up at like, I got up at like six 30 the next morning and I started again and I made so much better progress because mm-hmm. I was well rested than if I had tried to push through my tiredness. So yeah, sleep. Now I highly recommend, um, choosing the food that you have, um, carefully, like things that are high in glucose or dextrose, uh, will keep mm. your brain active. Um, you want to, uh, have some carbs if you're going to be doing it very physically. Um, like if you are doing a heavy forging thing, you know, pre- preload your carbs beforehand. Hydrate like crazy because you'll be so focused on the work that you will forget. Yeah. Um, I saw somebody last year, I can't remember who it was, did the whole thing with a camelback. Yeah. And he just was running around with a camelback on and was just drinking out of that. I would I would <laughs> suggest meal prep, like Prep yeah. your meals beforehand for the for the forty eight hours. That way, you don't have to think about it. You can just throw it in the microwave and you're done. That's it. Yeah. Um, if you're worrying about cooking or having to go get stuff or whatever, then yeah, you're going to lose time. You're going to lose yeah. lots of time. Uber eats directly to the shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that uh, I plan on doing is I'm going to keep a notebook and pen handy. Um, mm. or keep a chalkboard or whiteboard clear so that I can plot out complex plans. Uh, like if I'm stuck on something, I need to visualize it, just being able to s- scroll some sketches and things. Um, but, you know, but sometimes you just need to see it. 
mm. or um, or discuss it. Or if you're trying to explain something in one of the live streams, it's good to be able to actually say, no, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, and speaking of discussing something, one of the biggest tips that I can give you is talk to your fellow makers who are going through it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when Alex said my, my fish mouth world, the first fish mouth world I tried failed. And I was ready to pack it in right then. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was ready to just kind of go, nope, screw this. The whole fucking thing's done. Uh, I'm just going to do a mono steel blade instead. And I posted that on the, my Instagram. I was doing my two hour update and I was going, yep, I failed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And someone said, run a cut this, run a zip disc down it, flux the shit out of it, and weld it. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. I've got a couple hours. Let's go. And it was through that constant process of checking in with each other that we managed to push each other through those hardships, those points. And you might run into something that you didn't expect. Like you'll run into a hard point where you're like, crap, I don't know how to do this. Because they're all the other makers are active and they're making their thing at the same time, they're going to be online because they're posting about their build. So they're going to be available for you to go, hey, dude, I'm stuck on this thing. What do I do? And most of them will be able to turn around and go, here, here's an idea. Yeah. So you've got all all these people that have such different perspectives and working styles and ideas that um, would possibly not even um, occur to you because it's such a different environment that they work in. And the the great thing is, is that um, even though there'll be like a dozens of makers that are actually partaking there are also dozens of makers who would just be watching because they don't have the time to do it themselves like i know my friend d hedges watches every year um she she follows with with great (laughs) with great enjoyment but she's Mm -hmm. also one of the most talented bladesmiths i know so like even if it's not someone who's actively participating you may find that there are people watching the group or watching your your build uh watching the hashtags that will see your work and actually be able to help you out with some advice. Yeah, I remember uh, her and I were talking to you in the first 48-hour challenge um, yeah. with your file day. I can't remember what it was that came up. It was the freaking Ricasa. It was the, um, That's the right. Ricasa yeah. was overlapping the guard, and I was like, oh, God, this is all terrible. And you guys were like, facet the, facet the Ricasa. Yeah, facets. And I'm like, That's I'm not going to facet facets. the Ricasa. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it anyway. And I fasted it and I'm like, ah, oh, it works. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a good moment. Yeah. It's, it's always and me so- ending up in those corners where I'm just like, I'm screwed. I just want to give up now. I want to throw in the <laughs> towel. And everyone else is like, no, no, don't. Just keep going. I'm like, all right, fine. It's one of the benefits of being so forward in time zones because I'm at uh, plus 10 um, mm-hmm. in my time zone. So when um, when I've finished, I get to then watch everybody else play out their <laughs> horrors. He gets, he gets to watch the last two hours of my freaking struggle. <laughs> and then uh, I get to watch Niels do like three days worth of my work in 20 minutes. Oh I remember the first, the first dagger challenge where like you and I, I just finished and he went up live and he was doing his finish grinding. Mm-hmm. In like the, it was, the last it was fucking there with a Fordham minutes. and Kratex <laughs> wheels, just doing like incredible detail work on his bronze guard. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I remember watching it, just going, "Dude, you're grinding it like thirty minutes to go. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing?" <laughs> uh, but I mean yeah. that that after thing, the the whole. I mean, 
you may finish after the 48 hours, but the 48-hour dagger challenge continues for a few days after that because mm-hmm. all of the results start dribbling in. People start talking about it. Podcasts bring on Neils and talk about it and things. <laughs> but that that debrief, that that moment of debrief that happens is super important to do while it's fresh in your mind once oh, the event's beautiful. over. You've got to think, where were the hang-ups in my workflow or my workshop layout and how can they be fixed? They think You've got to think, like, what techniques slowed me down the most? And I'm going to practice those more so that they're clearly areas that I need to do work on. Um, what would I have done differently if I was to start again and do it over? Um, what cool things did I see other makers do that I now want to try? All this stuff is important to go through. Oh, yeah. And, I mean... The, the stuff I've learned from the last two 48-hour dagger challenges have has actually changed the way I approach my work in my day-to-day life. Um, yeah. Because of things that I've ran, ran into, like problems that I ran into during the challenge. Um, you know, like noticing that, like, oh, well, my, my step-by-step process is wrong and I need to fix that before I can keep moving on. So, yeah, it's, it's incredibly valuable for that as well. Yeah, yeah. And of course, um, as is tradition, Sam and I will have Niels on the show after it's over to talk about it um, and go through what we saw over. Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of makers involved, and Niels always tries to get some big names in on the competition as well. Last year, he managed to get Alex Steele to join in. Yeah, I and, saw. Um, I saw that there's a few more makers putting their hands up this year as well. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them join in. I've just. I was trying to convince Kyle Royer to join in, and he said <laughs> it, he he reckons it'd be a hoot. He's just got to find the time. Yeah, well, busy boy. He is a busy boy working on masterpieces. But uh, mm. I would like to see both him and Jeff jump on board and uh, that'd be get cool. in on it. Yeah, maybe even a father son um, collab. Hmm. That'd wouldn't be, cool. be fair to the other people, but hey, it's Kyle. Well, you know. He gets special <laughs> exceptions. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is a, a fantastically fun experience and it'll teach you a lot about your ability to make things under pressure and it also teaches you a lot about making in general. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, if most of us don't want to sell the thing we make in 48 hours because it's relatively low quality compared to what we normally make or some of us don't like to sell it. Mm. Um, use it as your quote unquote birthday knife. Just you could hold on you to could. it because then oh, it's although, a piece of evidence. Although I will say, um, yeah, be open about the fact that it was your 48 hour dagger challenge. Cause a lot of the spectators who watch actually like to claim them as trophies, mm. um, yeah. which has been, was the case with both of the ones that I did. It was people who had been avidly watching along and they desperately wanted the, the to get one of them, one of the daggers, from someone they didn't care who and i got they got mine um i've been meaning that, to that put up cool. my i've been meaning to put my uh my last year's 48 hour dagger challenge dagger up for sale for the last year but i haven't yeah <laughs> and i still like i said i still have the dagger from the first challenge and i might put up that up for sale eventually i need to i actually really like that dagger i thought it came out really nice i yeah, love the, the the ridges that the file gave the it, rasp gave it down the middle it does look pretty cool. I need to go back over it and re-hand sand it and stuff because it gained a little bit of rust because it sat in the shed for a while. But um, yeah, no, but I, because I was it was fully disassemblable, overall. you yeah. can't. That was the one thing I wanted to make sure of. It was a fully dis- disassemblable. So was last year's dagger. Mm. That one rule 
by the way, is going to be the biggest thorn in my ass in, with the plan that I've got. Yours and mine both. Mm. <laughs> because I'm, I am dedicated to using only hand tools, which means hand drills. Yeah. Fun times. <sighs> or you could, I mean, how good's your green sand casting? <laughs> mm, not great. <laughs> Given that I don't have any green sand right now. Not great. Hot punch undersized, and then when you do the the hand drill, it'll be much easier. <laughs> I mean that that is a, a method. That's true. It depends yeah. on what material I make the handle the 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 fittings out of. I suppose if it's brass, yeah. then it's not going to be too bad. I do have braces and bits, and yeah, but it's going to have so much stuff. character being all hand done. I mean, that's going to be a prize of a knife at the end of it. That is the hope. Like I, I'm I'm expecting to make a pretty decent showing because you know like. Given that it's simple, and I uh, like, despite the fact that I'm using hand tools, given that I'm using a relatively simple design, I want to make it as good of a simple knife as I can. Yeah. Um. So it's not going to be like, oh, because I'm using hand tools, I'm going to make it rough and ready and like horrible and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. I want to make this a good piece. Sam's um, doing the 48 hour dagger challenge, medieval edition. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. It just gives me an excuse to forge everything like really close to shape, which is something that yeah. I really enjoy. So get your Lin Ray on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe not that good, but you know. Oh man, can you imagine him joining in? Ah, that'd, that'd be, be that'd be the dream. That'd be the dream. Him, him, or Nick Rossi, like, or both of them. Both okay. of them are just incredible forges. I, I just oof. would love to see yeah. it. Niels has the street cred. He should do like a, re- a public outreach campaign to the, all these big name knife makers and try and get as many of them on board as possible. He should re- reach out to Nick and go, hey man, because we both made Mastersmith this year, you have to join my 48 hour challenge. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, Nick Rossi just made one of the world's biggest blacksmith's knives with uh, with Will Stelter, so. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah, monstrous thing. Mm. But, um,. Yeah, hopefully this has given you some inspiration to join in or at least um, something, more details to watch if you're going to be an observer of the competition. I know not it's not for everybody, um, but it's definitely a lot of fun. It's masochistic fun, but it's definitely fun. Yeah, and I mean, uh, to that end, join the 48-hour Dagger Challenge group just to watch if you want. Just, yeah. you know, like... Or just the follow the hashtags. Su- the more supporters we have, the better, because, like those are the people that keep us going when everything's going to shit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you um, just need a cheer squad cheering you on, really. And I mean, while Alex and I have a following on Instagram and stuff like that, that will follow us either way, if you're following the hashtag, you might see some new makers who are just getting into it that make something that you really like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can give them their the, your support as well and encourage them to continue their craft as much as anything else. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes, let me tell you, as one of those makers, you need the cheering on. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> like, I need the cheering on on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> uh, the, the, the highest attendance of a live stream I've ever had when I did the final fit-up of everything, uh, final assembly of my dagger last last challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was like 20 minutes before the uh, the competition finished and I'm like please everything fit together please everything fit together <laughs> <laughs> and all these people are like oh my god it looks so cool yeah I think I think um, the Instagram live I did of like pulling the blade out of the the etch 
and putting it all together, I think everyone mm. was in there just going, you made it, woo! And I was like, yeah. oh, God, I made it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's what dreams are made of, Sam. It is. I'm looking forward to it. Like, it, it should be fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be sharing my workshop because my wife is joining in. She's going to be competing for the first time. I'm I'm worried because I'm at a significant disadvantage given that I can only access my workshop for eight hours a day or between seven and eight hours a day mm-hmm. um, with my new living situation and stuff like that. So I'm going to be... If, if you organize it right, though, you can do like hand sanding and stuff at home. Yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to... I have to like really... You might have to do it out of order. I really have to construct my time uh, mm. to to fit the the build. <laughs> Although, if you're doing it all in hand tools, can you drag it all into the backyard here? Well, I've got my I've got my dad's workshop, which is a wood workshop. So um, he's got a few tools, and I can probably grab a few tools from my shop and bring them over here yeah. uh, to do a bit of work here. So I won't have access to like a lot of my blacksmithing equipment and stuff like that. But given that I'm doing it all hand tools, I don't have to worry about not having access to my two by forty two or. A two by seventy two. Uh, anyway, do it all like Rune Bertram Nielsen style, just really old school. <laughs> That's the plan. Dig a uh, dig a pit forge and just. <laughs> I don't think my dad would approve of that too much. To be honest, it's, it's only for forty eight hours, and you fill it back in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not willing to put that much effort. In. <laughs> I'm going to have a hard enough time doing this all with hand tools. Just it's like hour thirty six, I've got the whole dog. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much. Man, I'm, I'm really glad that I invested in really good files. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to be using those saving grace. <laughs> Oh boy! Now you need just a whipping boy. That's that's medievally accurate to mm-hmm. file my blade. <laughs> that's it. Just gonna, uh, just gonna give you lashings if you get it wrong. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so spend the first spend the first twelve hours making a bullwhip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spend the rest of the time just whipping people to make my knife for me. Or just in general for fun. Why not? Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> Battle about a certain dominant dominance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, man! Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your design. Very yeah. A few people are. You've been you've been talking a big game, and I mean, the last time you talked a big game, you brought the big game. So you know, yeah, people doubted me, and and I I I came out of the gate strong with this. even I'm admitting I may have pulled off more than a bit off more than I can chew with this design, but uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to have a go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Absolutely. the important thing. So anyway, guys, do keep those emails coming, though. Um, you can mm. slide into our DMs on Instagram or Facebook, or you can email us at ask.forgecast at gmail.com. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back again with another episode next week, maybe with a guest. Who knows? Mm. We're tantalizing some people. We're, we're twitching, twitching the lure. <laughs> what's the what's the, the what's the word for uh, when they fish with their hands for like catfish and stuff? It's oh, noodling. Really yeah, noodling. <laughs> we're noodling for guests. <laughs> noodling for guests. <laughs> Jeez, that brings <laughs> to mind <laughs> some weird imagery. <laughs> it's like trout tickling. Yeah, it's it. We just, we just <laughs> sneak into Steve Schwartz's garage. What are you doing? <laughs> Come on to the show. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
he'd probably be into it. <laughs> probably. But if people are looking for you, Sam, where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Etsy, Patreon, Redbubble, you know, all kinds of places at Samtown's Bladesmith. You can also find me on TikTok at the underscore kitchen underscore sink. Where can they find you, Alex? I go by Valhalla Ironworks, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, Redbubble, Patreon, and my website, nissa-valhalla.com. Yes. And the Anyway, guys, we'll see you all next week. And, uh, yeah, keep those fires lit. Cheers, guys.